Welcome to Corporate to Conscious, the podcast, where we are your seasoned guides with over 30 years of combined corporate experience. Personally navigate the journey from burnout to balance. We're not just experts, we've lived it. Whether you're a newbie or a seasoned pro, join our intimate community. We unravel the nervous system, climb the corporate ladder, tackle burnout together, and discuss the outdated social norms that influence our work environment. This isn't just about bridging old and new, it's about living it. This is Corporate to Conscious Podcast, where experience meets compassion and work meets wisdom. Okay, so here we are in today's episode of Corporate to Conscious, and we are going to get into the topic of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, or as we commonly call it, ADHD. So um, this is something that affects me, and I know that it affects you. Um, yes. And so let's talk about it. So ta- tell, talk to me about ADHD for yourself. Oh, man. Okay, let's get started. First, as a first generation immigrant, let's not forget that in our culture, that doesn't exist. That is considered you're being lazy focus. And so growing up, that was very difficult because I did not understand that I had ADHD and that that's why I was constantly bouncing off the walls. Um, so it wasn't until I was a lot older that I discovered that, oh man, I think I have ADHD And I think this is the reason why I can't sit still. And I think this is the reason why I go into so many different projects. So it it was definitely um, eye-opening as you get older and you start identifying your own personality traits and looking at your own patterns and becoming aware that you are and that you do have ADHD. But I don't think that it's a bad thing. I actually think that having ADHD is probably one of my super strengths. Um, It allows me to view things very differently than most people. But it does come with a set of setbacks. So for instance, if you're not organized, um, you definitely get into these episodes of chaoticness and franticness, depending like how your brain operates. Like in my case, if I have too many things around me, I get overstimulated. Um, So I have to have a very clean and organized environment for me to be able to um, function properly. Now, when I in the workplace, that's been a huge advantage to me. The fact that I can multitask at a very, very fast, fast rate. So let me talk a little bit about just like statistics, because ADHD is one of those things that impacts 8.7 million adults have a diagnosis of ADHD. That's just those with a diagnosis. So I don't formally have one. Um, There was a time when I was in university when I've thought that's probably what was going on, but was never formally diagnosed and have never. So of the people that are diagnosed, 8.7 million people have have ADHD and boys are diagnosed more often than girls. So you mentioned being an immigrant, but I was thinking not only that, but you're also a woman. And it's very rare in like back in the day to actually be diagnosed with ADHD because they never they thought it was a boy issue. 
And they thought it was just about hyperactivity, not realizing the nuances of what ADHD actually is. Because you and I both have it, but you and I both have it in a different way. Because sometimes you'll be like, well, that's my ADHD. And I'm thinking, I don't even have that problem. But I do have problems like I will clean my house and clean a patch of this and then literally forget that I was doing that. And I will go to another room and start cleaning And then I will come out of that room wearing like a crown that I got in high school with trying (laughs) to figure out how to charge an old iPod. So like that's the version of ADHD that I have where I literally cannot, I'm not linear in the way that I do things. And it's really caused a lot of issues. But like you said, it does feel like my superpower. That's what makes me me. But it's, it's taken me a really long time to see it as that. But it's beautiful because I realized that like once we start stepping into this energy of like, okay, this is my superpower, then you start realizing I'm not meant to do things linearly. Like for instance, the whole project thing. Um, I've realized that, yeah, I can't, for instance, a lot of us that have ADHD, I think one of the biggest problems that we have is like starting projects and then losing interest. But it's not necessarily because we just lost interest. It's just that at that specific moment, we're done with that project. And our energy is prepared for something else that's going to stimulate us differently. Not to say that we're not going to go back. It's just one of those things where we need that additional dopamine hit, I feel. Um, And and not only that, but you're absolutely right. As far as girls with us being diagnosed as women, I don't even now I had a fight tooth and nail with my doctor and I had to go to several, several different appointments after appointments and assessments before they were actually able to give me the medication that I needed. And even then it's, I feel like it's a double-edged sword sometimes using that medication because it creates this dependency and then it can creates chemical changes inside of your brain that creates that you need that, you need that medication now. So for me, it was a lot of um, trial error and also realizing that my hyperactivity is like, when I have that, that means that I have excessive energy inside of my body that I need to utilize and for different people, they use it very differently. Like for me, I learned that I either go into hyper mode, hyper fixation mode on a project until I'm completely done with it. And then I'm like, or halfway through with it. And then I'm like, okay, I'm over this. And then I have to go into something else. But what I realize is that I have this chemical that gets this pretty much like this high every time I start a project, then I master it. And then once I master, it, I kind of get over it. And then I have to go get that same high somewhere else with a different project. Because that project has already fulfilled that portion of it. And now I'm like, okay, I need something else next. And it's the same way with the medication, I feel, because you end up relying on it very consistently. Um, And in the workplace, it can be a double-edged sword using the medication or being or having ADHD. A, you'll have employers that will take advantage of the fact that they, they know you can work through things quickly. B, the other aspect of it is also if you're on medication, um, sometimes you have these mood swings and like these abrupt behaviors where you're grouchy and irritable because you have like this medication that overstimulates you as well. Well, I'm thinking too, like one of the things that with work specifically that I've always struggled with is back to what you were saying about not finishing a project because I will go into a job and be really excited because of all the new things that they they're like wanting me to tackle, but I can tackle it really fast. 
And then I'm in the position where I'm saying, and now what? So that for the longest time, I thought that I was broken because I thought I was supposed to be one of those people that stayed in a job year over year over year. And when I didn't want to, or when I lost interest, it felt like there was a flaw that was in me that would, I would had to, it was just about disciplining myself harder. And I think there are two avenues, right? We've been talking a lot yeah. about discipline mm -hmm. and I think there is a discipline aspect, but I also believe that there are those of us who are meant to be sort of a quick start where, where I go into the place, I do what needs to be done. And then I set it up for the next person to come in behind me and take over and be that steady person that will last in that position for the next 10 years. But it's not going to be me. And yes. I think you struggle with that also, right? 100%. So one of the biggest problems that I've had, even growing up as a kid, is just that i quickly grab the material. I learn it. I'm like, okay, I get excited about it. I want to know the ins and out of it. So one of the things that I felt I really struggled with, you know, growing up and, and I see this growing up because I think the growing up part is so detrimental to how we are as adults and like how it, it paves the way for us. Right. Um, and I felt like growing up, I always felt like I had to quickly learn things. Obviously it also has to do a lot with your upbringing. And being an illegal immigrant, you know, first generation, your parents literally rely on you for everything. So you have to be quick-witted with everything that you're doing. You're learning quickly things, adult things, and you're also learning your kid things. And you have to be able to help and balance the household in that aspect. So I learned to quickly pick up things at a very fast rate. And what that caused me to do is that I always just move through things quickly. So when I had to do the same thing repetitiously, it literally made me feel like I was going insane inside my head. I felt like even now there's times, and I, you, now we're going to talk about more of like my, my, you know, as an employee and me going into like these spaces like management and so forth. And I struggled my hardest staying in positions for two period for too long. Um, I would do the best that I could. I would push as hard as I could, whatever it was, the role that I was playing in whether it be a sales manager, whether it was a district manager in sales, whether it be an upper management, it was one of those things where I constantly thrive to move up and move and move around because once I would set up things or once I knew how to function everything and get everybody on the same page, I, I felt like my job was done. And I was like, okay, I need the next thing. What's the next thing? What's the next thing? And it, it, it gets tiresome, but at the same time in the right work environments, you can thrive. Well, I was looking up statistics and it said that the U.S. economy loses $138 billion a year in lost income because of ADHD, because of the lack of productivity with its employees. Like that's a lot of money, $138 billion. And anxiety is something that often accompanies ADHD, which we know about that life. And mm -hmm. it's just this constant churn inside of your body. And I think that learning to manage anxiety and looking at um, the depression or the anxiety as something that is a product of ADHD versus I am a depressed person with ADHD. More so, I am an ADHD person with depression. And if we can flip it, flip it around in our mind and address the ADHD first, oftentimes those symptoms, which depression and anxiety, what I would call those symptoms, are things that will work themselves through. And it's not going to be so much like, oh my God, I can't work through my anxiety. 
okay, but Brooksy, go back and look at your ADHD and, and work through that. And, and that's been really, really helpful for me. Um, and there's one of the things that I read was that a really good career opportunity for adults with ADHD, there's several social worker, therapist, police officer, firefighter, dispatcher, teacher. These are types of jobs that keep you constantly in that space of change. And I think that when we can realize, and of course there's many more, but these are ones that they kind of highlighted because of the change. And I mean, and I've always loved crisis work. You like crisis work. It's because we get something, we're getting those hits of dopamine and that's horrible to say, but that's kind of what's happening for us. Oh, 100%. But I think, like you said, identifying like, hey, what is the source of the other symptoms that I'm having? For the longest time, I was struggling with depression, thinking that I was really, really depressed. I'm like, do I have depressive episodes? Yes, absolutely. Um, But I started realizing that I started feeling bad about myself because I wasn't able to keep up with certain things because I have the ADHD. And it's also creating processes and, and creating hacks for yourself in your personal life that will help you facilitate your ADHD. Well, what will help me? For instance, like I get overstimulated by too much things around me. So what does that mean? I have to maintain a very, very clean home. If I don't have a clean home, it better be hidden under the covers or hide it somewhere because I can't see it. It gets me depressed. So I had to either come up with a cleaning routine, you know, and allocate time to that. Or the other thing was hire someone to come help me because realistically, that was very detrimental to my health. So once in a while, like if I feel overwhelmed, I will do that. Why? Because that makes me feel less depressed. And I feel like every ADHD has to have like a safeguards in place to avoid some of the symptoms. For instance, like, you know, getting organized, uh, creating a to-do list. Like for me, we talked about like how ridiculous some of my alarms are, but at the same time, I'm completely blind to time. I'm completely blind to time. I will go into working into something and then I'll look up and I'm like, oh my God, it's already one o'clock in the morning. How did this happen? And it's because we lose track of time. So I have to include alarms for bedtime, brushing your teeth time, doing your face routine time. And I set alarms because that helps me remember. And inside the alarms, I actually have a little notepad and tells me what things I got to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. So depending on the day that I'm on, I know what skincare routine to use. We talked about this. Was it ridiculous? Yeah. Does it help me stay looking young? Absolutely. So I'm an ADHD. <laughs> that's that great skin, you know? <laughs> but you know what? I, in like corporate speak, the things that you're describing translate into the corporate world as being unreliable, mm-hmm. difficult to work with, and not a team player. So these are terms that we all know, and we've all seen them in our like reviews where we've been told that we're not reliable or not a team player. But these are things. Out, these are direct representations of what ADHD symptoms are, which is distractibility, poor follow through, lateness, forgetfulness. Like these are just ways of of um, struggling within ADHD that turn into things that get weaponized against people within the corporate sphere. Right, and it, and if you, as a supervisor or manager, realize that you have an employee that's doing these things. I think one of the most important things to do in situations like this is identify how you can help that person. Because sometimes 
ADHD people, if they're go, if they're going undiagnosed and working, and I'm not saying it's an employer's responsibility. I'm saying if you are working in an environment with someone where you identify that they're struggling with their ADHD, wouldn't it be freaking awesome to have a manager or supervisor that has a managerial experience to help you get a little organized? Like, hey, what's going on with your personal life? Like, why are you always late? Why are you always so frantic? Why aren't you completing the task? How can I support you better? And sometimes it can be as simple as like we just talked about setting alarms, you know, setting proper alarms for yourself or setting time allocation for yourself as to what you're doing, keeping yourself on task, a to-do list, a task list. Um, you know, I found for me, another dopamine hit that I get a lot is um, when I'm actually able to check stuff off my list. Like it gives me a little bit of a sense of satisfaction. Sometimes I'll just write the list of all the things that I'm about to do in the restroom, even though it's just, you know, cleaning the restroom, but I'll write like 30 different things that I did in the restroom just for the satisfaction of like, oh, I checked that off. I checked that off. Because to me, it's like, oh, I went through the whole list of the restroom and I did it. But to me, that's satisfaction, right? It gives me the dopamine. So maybe, you know, as employers, as bosses, we could do the same thing for those employees that have ADHD and create some type of reward system because we know that they work off of dopamine. Well, and some of the the positive traits that come with ADHD are employees with empathy, with high energy, high enthusiasm, hyper focus under pressure, and these are things that are really assets to an employee's work. And if we can start looking for those assets instead of thinking about how we can line up to them missing their KPI or not living up to what we expect them to be because reviews are really horrible in my opinion way to assess a person's entire personality because it's coming from the lens of whoever your boss is at the time and if we can start to highlight these characteristics like yeah they may have been late but what is something we can do to make it not about on time or late does this job require if you're a school teacher you got to be on time if you're a social worker you don't necessarily you can still achieve your goals within a set amount of time and i think that's a huge that we have to learn to modify the way we do work around things like this because it's always been so linear and so much in these buckets and I don't think it's working anymore. I don't think it's working either. And I think that if you're still able to complete your work and do it in a very, very, like you're still following the metrics of, or like compliance regulations of them, like whatever the role is, I think as long as you are able to complete it, you're doing it thoroughly, correctly and you're not affecting anyone else, I think you should be able to. Like to me, timeliness is like, it's a huge thing in the corporate world. I mean, it's frowned upon. You walk in late and, you know, you kind of have to do the walk of shame, you know, and everyone, you know, heavens forbid you live in, a, you work in a call center or you work in an office and everyone knows your start time, everyone looks. Um, so, so it's very, 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 um, I feel like it villainizes people with ADHD, but at the same time, like you said, there's different ways that employers can help with that. And that's my biggest thing is like, how can we, how as a leader, because that's one of the things I, I think a lot of people forget is once you're in a position of leadership, that is why you are in leadership. You're there to support your team or support whoever it is that is working with you or working in conjunction to your, to whatever team you're working with. Right. And so to me, it's like, what can we do as a team to work together to like 
improve certain things. If we notice that one of our colleagues is struggling, um, it goes also just as deep as, you know, the ADHD is like just scratching the, you know, the surface of like the underlying issues within the corporate America. And as far as like how we actually perceive people with ADHD, but people perceive people with ADHD either, either really, really messy, very hyperactive, um, unfocused, but those are also some of their strengths because you can count on giving that person that has ADHD and put them under pressure and be like, Hey, I, you have till the end of tomorrow to complete this task. And one thing that I tell Brixie all the time is that ADHDers, holy crap, we are great at making the impossible possible on the goddamn fly. Throw anything our way and we will be like, cool, by when do you need it? Oh, I have a deadline of like three hours. Um, This is a five-hour task. Um, Okay, thanks. And we will fandango our way to find the most quickest, efficient, effective way to get that task completed for you. So that is why I am saying that ADHD is the superpower in the corporate environment. And it has to be viewed that way. You have to understand that your ADHDers are the ones that are going to get the most work done for you in the smallest amount of time under pressure. And you don't want to put too much pressure on them because then that creates obviously a lot of other anxiety issues and depression, you know, all these other um, resentment and other emotions that are not positive or conducive to them or to the employees around them. But those are huge things that can be superpowers. And that's what I'm talking about, the superpower aspect of it, that hyperactive mode. When you go into hyper focus where you're just like, oh, I got to get this done. Like, and you pretty much tell everyone in your mind to fuck off and you're just getting it done. But I will say though, that translates into a lot of my life. Like I can't even decide what I want to eat in a restaurant until the waiter is standing there because the pressure of his presence. Like if you say, what do you want? I don't know because I have too much time to think, but the minute they show up, I'm like, I have to decide right now. And that it like, so that pressure, while that is my superpower, it's also something that I don't do well, like pacing my time because of that. And that's where the discipline for me has to come in because as much as I'm powerful under pressure, I also cannot, I, I own my own business. So there's nobody really pressuring me anymore. So I've had to learn how to put pressure on myself in a way that feels like it's keeping me, my feet to the flame, so to speak. Otherwise, I can't be a business owner because I'm just going to be out here like watching TikTok all day long. And it's, it just will not work for me. I've done that. I've been guilty. TikTok is bad sometimes for me. <laughs> the That's why I'm on TikTok free January. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it's a real thing. And you're absolutely right. You have to hold yourself accountable and have, and you're right. Right now that you mentioned um, the fact that like, sometimes setting off an appointment, for instance, with ADHD. And I'm not sure if everyone else has the experience, but I know that people that I've spoken to and including you, we've talked about this. It's been one of those things where you have like a te- like if I have a deadline, actually I was talking to our, one of our mutual friends, Tiffany. Um, and we were specifically talking about how, if I have a task due at 2 PM, all I could think of is the task that I have to complete at 2 PM, but I can't focus on anything else because I have the hyperactivity of like, oh my God, an anxiety where I'm just like, oh my God, I have to get this done at two o'clock. I have to get this done at two o'clock, but I can't do anything else because I have to do this at two o'clock, which makes absolutely no sense. 
So that's where the whole calendar of alarms and being organized and being disciplined really makes a huge difference because there's times where I go into task paralysis, I think it's called. Oh, like and analysis paralysis? Yes, where I'm just kind of thinking of all the million. And I mean, I have, we've talked about this, Brooksy. I have tons of things to do. So we have so many things to do. And do I have time to sit there and try to figure like there's times where I sit there and I'm like, Oh, I have like a million tasks to do. And I'm just looking at the list. I'm like, well, which one should I pick? And I just sit there staring at the list for a good hour. And then I mess around with TikTok for a little bit. And then I'll be like, Brooksy. So I haven't done anything and we're meeting in two hours. <laughs> well, that right there, executive function is what I really have a hard time with. And that's where you and I have that conversation all the time. I'm like, do not give me a massive list because I, my brain does not know how to sort what's important and what's not. And and it's it's just so crucial to... Um, to keep that schedule going, because like you mentioned, okay, I have this thing at two o'clock. Okay, great. But if I'm living for that two o'clock, what I will tend to do is do nothing until that two o'clock thing. Exactly. Instead of pacing myself, because remember, ADHD is not my fault, but it is my responsibility. Like I have to be responsible for it and I can have all the excuses in the world and that's fine but I'm going to, I'm not going to accomplish anything. So I have a choice to make. Do I want to get stuff done or not? And I have a choice. And I'm so glad that you brought that up because I feel so many of us with the whole ADHD, it's like, oh, well, that's, you know, that's our excuse or that's like the way that we, you know, oh, well, you know, I have ADHD, you know, I, I struggle with ADHD, but that's cool for a little while. And that's going to work for you for a little while there's going to come a point in your life where you're going to get tired of being a victim of your own circumstances and of your own actions. And one of the things that I started realizing is like life is hard regardless. So the question is, which hard do you want to have? Do you want to have a hard where it's going to be organized and you're on top of your stuff or you can choose not to. And I'm not saying that ADHD, there's different severity of ADHD. There's moderate ADHD. Like I would have to say I'm like between the severe and moderate I'm like, I'm right there at the cusp. So I can spiral very easily, but it's also understanding your own vessel and your own body. And wherever we're talking about that, understanding your body makes a huge difference because then you know, okay, I have too much energy in my body. I have to push this out. This has nothing to do with the mental. This has to do with me having to push out energy for my body. And I'm saying this because you have to learn your own body. You have to understand how your ADHD works for you, not how you're a victim to it. Because this is one of the biggest problems that I feel like some of our younger generation and even our generation is struggling with right now is we're in this victimhood. Yes, we're learning about shadow work. We're learning about ourselves. We're learning about trauma. We're learning about how like we've been conditioned to certain things, right? And that's great. But once you get past that part, identifying that you're a victim or that you know, you didn't, weren't set up the right way. You weren't wired the right way in your brain, whatever it may be. Then you have to kind of take ownership and be like, okay, well, that's great. This is what I have. This is the template that I have. How do I fix it? How do I work on it? How do I still build myself up? I am not less of a person than the person next to me just because that person is actually able to work and function without ADHD. That just means that they have a different set of tools that I do. And my tools are a lot faster and cooler. So what's up? There's you know no what I was just thinking of when you were talking? Um, I always look through the lens of trauma, right? Because I'm a, I'm, I specialize in trauma. That's my background. That's been the last 10 years of my career. 
And I wonder how much ADHD is connected to trauma. And what I mean by that is we know that as children, if we grow up in extremely chaotic environments, what's Mm -hmm. going to happen is we are going to try to hold the energy of the room of our parents, of our siblings in our body. And we're Mm going to try to stabilize the environment with our own energy. But I wonder how much of ADHD for some of us is connected with taking on so much stuff that we don't know how to process how much we have going on. So it results in what we would consider to be symptoms of ADHD. I've never thought about that, but does that make sense? No, it does. Because it makes like, for instance, me growing up first generation, right? My parents, you know, I have both my parents in speak English um, and you know, we were, we were literally trying to fight for the American dream, you know, poverty at its lowest point. And as in that environment, I have my older brother, but, and my mom, you know, unfortunately she wasn't very mentally stable growing up. So we kind of had to grow ourselves, like raise ourselves. Um, And one of the things that I always think about is how we both, both me and my brother, or even myself, it was so unstable with them, with my parents that I had, we constantly had to sit there and fix things and create this environment so that they would not be triggered and there wouldn't have emotional outbursts and there wouldn't be consequences. Or there was also times where we would see that they were highly stressed and we would, what can we do to alleviate the stress? How, we would easily try to fit into this role of how can we fix it all? Um, and take on the responsibility to alleviate the responsibility from them so that they weren't overwhelmed because if they were overwhelmed then that bit meant bad news for us as kids, right? Either you get punished, you know, whatever the case may be in my family, it was just very, you know, very aggressive household. Um, so do you grow up with that? And now growing up me as an adult, I have, you know, I get, I have so many different things and I constantly feel like, if I'm dating someone, I have to fill every single part of the gap of the relationship or even with friendships. Like I feel like I'm doing way too much. So it's always realizing like, how is your trauma affecting your actions? And like the ADHD for me was a huge one. Cause that was, I didn't realize what I was doing all the time until I realized, Oh, this is just my trauma. This is my trauma with my hyperactivity combined. And I'm just trying to do it all. Like I, I recall dating someone and wanting to like help him improve so much that I was like, let me help you do your resume and apply to jobs for you. And let me do all again, ADHD at its finest, dude, at its finest plus, plus people pleasing. I'm like, are you kidding me? Embarrassing. Right. But it's the truth. But it's so true. And I think that what you're talking about too, has a lot to do with that, like people pleasing masking. And I know we're getting a little bit down in another rabbit hole, but I do believe that ADHD, we we wear so many masks because we have to figure out what our environment needs us to be in order to feel safe. And it's, that's where ADHD masking comes in, I think, because it's like we work so hard to not let anybody see that side of us until we realize, like, that's what makes me me. Like, for me to put away my ADHD is to turn me into, like, a robot. And it takes my entire personality away. And I mean, I mean, when I'm not hyperactive in myself, dude, you've seen it. I go into militant mode and I, and I'm like, what is wrong with me? Like, why do I have to continue though? But like, I'm just saying, like, I see that in myself where I struggle. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think that's really where, um, 
be allowing you to be you within the work environment, within your personal relationships. Like, otherwise you're dating somebody that's, or it, hiring somebody that's just literally a robot. I can, I can do it. I can find AI for that. If I want somebody to just spit out the information that I want them to spit out and we are not that. And so I think really seeing this as what makes us unique and beautiful and amazing. And we, we have to be functional though. And that's where the discipline comes in and I can harness my conscious mind and we're going to do a whole podcast on the conscious and the subconscious mind. So I don't want to get too deep into that right now, but I really think that um, we we are all kind of awakening to the awareness that most of us are struggling with ADHD more than we ever realized. And that is where the beauty, the creativity, the the value is going to come. And we've got to change the way the system is working to allow people to grow into these creative spaces that we need. Absolutely. And another thing too that you said right now that popped into my head is like, realizing that if we have ADHD and you have all these employees that have ADHD, you need to, if you want your business to thrive, get creative, let them get creative with your business. I am not kidding you. Let the ADHD person get creative. You have a task for them to do that. You're not sure how to do it. Brainstorm. I mean, I always tell people one of the Drinks that I had as a manager and in every position that I've ever been in has been when it comes to management has been bringing the employees into the conversation. Those ADHDers, including myself, bring them like, again, make, they make the goddamn impossible possible, sit down with them and bring them a problem. And I guarantee you, before you walk out of that damn meeting, you will have a solution and they will give you. And if you want to get really nitpicky with them, say, hey, come up with steps for it. And they will come up with creative steps. And if you give them guidelines for those steps, such as how long is it going to take? How many people is it going to require? If you start asking the right questions, those ADHDers will find solutions very quickly. So what I'm saying is I want people to understand that ADHD is a damn huge skill that can be utilized in the workplace if it's used correctly. And if you allow those employees to use their creativity instead of them having a mask. And if they're messy, okay, you're messy. Let's find you something to do that's going to help you with your messiness and allow you to be messy, but also thrive. How do we make you thrive in this environment with us? What value can you bring to the company with your ADHD? That's how we should be looking at it now. Well, and so I have some some ideas, too, on how leadership can help people with ADHD. So I made a little list here. This is not a, a conclusive list, but it's just some ideas of ways that you can work with your team. One of them is to act on good faith that your employees trying. Like, go into the, the discussion with your employee and trust that they do not want to fail. I really learned that as a leader a few years ago with my staff was stop assuming that they want to screw up. Every employee wants to succeed at their job. Either they're not in the right job or you are not supporting them to do the job the way they, they are supposed to if they are constantly screwing up. So how can you act in good faith and help them to accomplish and and be successful in the task and stop assuming 
that they're there to just screw up. Cause I've had so many bosses that felt that way. And it's funny you say that. Okay. There's, there's a huge moment in my career um, or just in, just me in the workplace, or it was like a huge aha moment. Remember how we always talk about aha moments or light bulb moments. And there was this girl, she actually has a podcast, which we're probably going to, we'll talk about it later. And I'm going to say her name. Um, but I remember in a meeting, she walked in and we were all in there and I was already, um, management. And she said, one of the things that I would like, and it literally has it resonates completely with what you're saying. She said, the one thing that we could always do for each other in a compassionate manner is assume positive intent unless shown otherwise. And she meant that just on a personal level, but she said that in a, in a corporate environment. And that stuck with me for the rest of my entire career. Even till now, I still resonate with that. Assume positive intent unless shown otherwise, unless there's a, evidence of other things. And as employers, if you go into that mentality, assuming that your employees are your allies and not your adversaries and you're not your subordinates, like you're looking down on them, but also as a part of you and your clan, you're able to see them in an equal way and you're able to see their flaws, but you're also able to see how you can help them. And you can have a conversation like, hey, I'm noticing like what's going on with this. It doesn't have to be a very adversary conversation. I think that's really important because I felt so many times where me being too friendly was frowned upon or me being too chatty with the team was frowned upon. And I was like, how does that make make it make sense? I'm like, make it make sense. And that's where I feel like ADHD people excel is when they're able to express themselves fully. And have a conversation where they're not feeling judged and they can say, Hey, you know, I'm fall, I'm, I feel like this job is overwhelming me here, here, and here. If they tell you that, then you can find solutions together. Right. And stop seeing them like, because I, I know so many um, people in leadership that feel like they have to always be a detective and always be kind of figuring out who's trying to like manipulate them or one up them or um, pull one over on them. Most employees aren't trying to do that. And if they are, but if you're, why? Like if they are, why? Because yeah. you as the leader might be the problem. 100%. You as the leader might be the person who is standing in the way of their success. And leaders have to get out of their own way. Just because I was put into a leadership position does not abdicate me of all flaws within the workforce. All that means is now I'm responsible to make my team successful and they're not out to get me. So think, always be thinking like, how can I make this employee successful? I love doing that with teams is coming into a new team and moving people around like chess pieces, because a lot of times people are in the wrong seat and it's okay to put them in a different seat. Like, I think we need to think in those ways as employers as well. Is how can I shuffle people around? Maybe this person can't be on time every day. So let's put them in a position that doesn't require that. Like we got to think outside the box, people. We're trying to retain employees. Absolutely. And I think that's the biggest thing too. I think when there's something that I want to discuss since we're on this topic um, about management, particularly, it's very, very easy for you to separate yourself from your team. Especially when you go into the meetings with cheese heads, what would I call cheese heads, you know, um, with people that are considered upper management, 
you start getting into this mentality that you want to prove yourself and you start wanting to prove yourself at the expense of your team. And I think that's really, that's the part where I feel really like we really need to start as leaders um, and as innovators of the world, because literally anytime you're in a position of leadership, you're affecting people and their families. So I, 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 and I want to point this out just, you know, I know, I know it's completely off topic, but I just want us to understand as a manager, let's just say you have a team of five people, you are the manager, you have a bad attitude. You think the worst of your employees, right? And you treat your employees as such. Now those five employees are affected by the way that you treat them, the way that they feel, right? Because that's how you're treating them. That's how you're working with them, right? Now those people are feeling bad about themselves and they go home now and they have a family of three each. Let's just say they have a family of three. Now their self-esteem is being affected, right? And they don't feel good about who they are and where they are. And then that goes into their household. And if they're a father, a mother, they're definitely taking that home with them. And now that's affecting our kids. And then that's affecting the next generation. And what I'm trying to say, guys, is that literally it makes a huge difference how you treat people because they carry that energy with them. And we're not going to get into the holistics or the energy aspect of certain things yet. Um, but I do want people to understand that one action really does create a ripple on a long term. And as leaders, we need to get into the habit of understanding how we are affecting the masses, even if you have a team of five people. Those five people have family members and they affect those family members and so forth and so forth. So just wanted to bring that up as a point of reference, because I saw that being huge in the environment, in corporate environment. And it's easy for us to forget that I've been there. I've made mistakes as a manager. I've made, I've been, I've been a great manager and I've been a horrible manager. I've been both. And it's part of the growth. Totally off topic. Sorry. No, I mean, I think it's important and and we're so passionate about these topics that it's hard for us to not step up on our soapbox whenever we have a chance. Um, because <laughs> no, but this is important because we really are passionate about changing the way people are treated and interact with and their relationship with work. So let's wrap up this ADHD conversation because I think that, um, but I think to sort of put a bow on it, so to speak. I think that if you are an employee and you are trying to unmask at work and you're trying to allow yourself to use your superpower of ADHD, have that conversation with your boss. Don't be afraid to use your voice in that sense. Absolutely. Because the more that we're able to actually talk about it, then you're I feel like you're putting yourself in a position where you're like, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. How can we improve this? Is there a way that we can improve this? Or is there a way that I can um, better be my my, my skill set be better used or utilized? I mean, that was most of the time how I got promoted in a lot of these positions is that I had so much hyperactivity and so much energy in my body that I was just like so eager to do stuff because I was losing my goddamn mind sitting at the desk when I had already completed all my work. Um, and that was huge for me. So I, I encourage people that have ADHD, talk about it, talk about it as a superpower, talk about it with your manager, see if there's something that, you know, you could help out with that feels good to you. Obviously I'm not saying take on additional work unnecessarily, unless that's, 
you know, but if you're trying to move up in a company, that was something that benefited me as an ADHD. Another thing too, was identifying that I might, I had hyper-focus. So if I found a project that I was really into, I would be like, Hey, like, can I take care of this whole project in its entirety? Because I can do it in its entirety. And I'm really excited about it. So use this like ADHDers, this is the time where we can shine. This is, we're changing the era. Like the era itself is changing. We're going into this whole new place of unknown territory. Let's talk about the things that are holding us back from growing and improving. And let's bring it up with our managers and let's see how we can have them help us. Again, if you go with it with the mentality of like, hey, this is a whole, we're helping each other. You know, I really do think that employers and employees and can cohesively work to make it a better environment for everyone. And, and actually starts- saying, yeah, here is, here's what I'm struggling with, but here's what I bring to the table. No manager that's like not crazy <laughs> would not be accepting of that kind of conversation and being open-minded to that. And for leaders, allow your team to work within their strengths and work within their limitations. And look at your team. If you're a new manager that's coming into a job and a a friend of mine that works in HR recently um, gave this tip, look at their resume and see what they actually have done with their career. Because how many jobs have you been in where your boss undersells your skill set because they've never actually taken the time to look at your resume? And if go through and look at your resume, the resume of your team and say, wow, this person has accomplished these things. So let me task them with this or this or this and give them the ability to shine because employees want to shine. And that is how you're going to get the most benefit for the team, the yes. most benefit for the employee and the most benefit for the whole project or whatever you're working with. So we need to start thinking outside of these boxes and stop being so linear and yeah. let our teams have problems. Well, not let only that, not be perfect. Absolutely. And right now that you said that, like, I'm telling you, t- if you have a problem, bring it up to your team. I literally would do that. And because there was times where I was just like, dude, I don't know how I'm going to figure this out. But I'd be like, no, what? I don't have to figure it out alone. As a manager and as a leader, Part of leading a team is learning how to actually execute things and working in a collaborative environment. It's not about you always shining. It's about how you can shine together and literally task it to your team. Have a meeting. Hey, guys, this is the problem that we're having. Any suggestions on how we should go about it? What do you guys got? Lisa, you know, what do you got going on? What what do you suggest? Because I guarantee you that they've either seen something similar they can come up with a creative manner. But I guess, again, leaders, we have to be comfortable with not always being in the spotlight and being comfortable sharing the spotlight with our team. Because if you lean on your team, they will catch you and they will fight for you. And I've seen corporations where, and we'll talk about another time, but I've seen it happen. So show up for your team and advocate for them and allow them to help you as much as you want them to help like themselves, you know? And we would love for you guys to join this discussion with us. So on our website, which is consciouscorporations.org, 
we have a contact us section. And in that section, we ask us to ask you to actually reach out to us. It's a section that says talk to us. And there's a block there that if you would like to write into us and tell us what you're dealing with at work, maybe you have a problem that you just can't handle, you just can't tackle, you can't wrap your mind around how to solve it. We would love for you to go into that comment section and write to us and tell us what you're dealing with. We're happy to keep you completely anonymous on this podcast. We have no interest in putting in putting people on blast, but we would love for you to join this discussion with us because we are all in this together and we are all trying to make the workforce a better more accessible place for everyone so again the the website address is consciouscorporations.org and the contact us section is where you can find the block where you can actually comment and, and communicate with us we would love to hear from you and that's it for today we really appreciate you joining us and stay tuned for our next episode Thanks so much, guys. Hope to hope you guys actually implement some of our stuff. Bye. Bye.